Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, as a young man, he was a huge Katherine Hepburn fan. So when he found out that not only was Jagged Little Pill coming to Broadway, but it was landing at the Broadhurst Theater, a theater where his idol, Miss Katherine Hepburn, had starred with Christopher Reeve, actually, in a play called A Matter of Gravity. Well, it made it all the more sweet. Welcome, Sean Allen Krill, to the podcast. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is the Tony-nominated star of Jagged Little Pill, Sean Allen Krill. His other Broadway credits include Honeymoon in Vegas, On a Clear Day, and Mamma Mia. And on television, he can be seen in Mr. Robot, Blacklist, Search Party, and Godfather of Harlem. But I am just so honored and thrilled to have Sean on the podcast today. Hi, Sean. Hi, Lana. I'm honored and thrilled to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. It's um, it is absolutely uh, the antidote that all for all that ails me today is you. So I want to just <laughs> ask: when you hear Tony-nominated star of Jagged Little Pill, and then your name, <laughs> does any feelings? Oh, so many. I mean, you know, I've always had um. Well, first I'll start with it's thrilling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's an honor. Uh, it, it just always, you know, as artists, as I'm sure you can attest to, it feels really good when someone points at you and says, hey, you did a great job, you know? <laughs> um, that's that's really nice. Um, uh, it's a, it's one of those, as a theater actor, it's a, it's a dream come true thing. You know, it, it, it lives in, in that world of like, wow, this is, this is dream come true stuff. Um, bucket list being nominated for a Tony. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's incredible, but that have, that said, I, I, um, I do have a, you know, I have a strange, I, I have to be honest and say, I have a strange relationships with, with awards for art because I, I, as I said before, I appreciate the acknowledgement of, of the appreciation um, but, uh, you know, I do sometimes get a little like, well, how can you do that? How can you point to, you know, uh, I think as Alanis Morissette, the other day we were doing a, an interview, uh, for, for the Grammys and, and she said, um, how can you look at point to red and yellow and say one is better than the other? And right. I just thought that was so well put. So, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm, I, it's thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling. And, uh, I'm honored and, and, um, I, I feel like I won already just, just with the nomination. So there's that too. So. 
And so many of your cast members also being all the nominees uh, that could be nominated were nominated. It, truly incredible. I'm so proud of the show. I, I mean, I was proud of the show before it was nominated and, and I, and I would still be if it hadn't even gotten one because it, the show means the world to me and I am just in love with it. And I'm in love with the cast, this incredible cast and creative team. And, um, yes, so, so wonderful to, to be acknowledged in such a, in such a great way by the Tony committee. Really amazing. This show. Crazy. I know 15. That's a lot of nominations. <laughs> that's, um, a lot. that's a lot. <laughs> I loved this album so much, oh my, uh, Jagged Little Bill. Uh, my relationship to it is is, um, you know, I, everyone you talk to about it, it's like such a personal album. And everyone who loves it was like, "How did she write my journal into? Like, how did she know every feeling I've ever had, every experience? It's such an extraordinary, extraordinary." record. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just said you loved it too. So you are not one of these people who like, oh, I got an audition for Jagged Little Pill and then I researched. No, no, was. no. I I mean, the minute I found out that 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 the project existed, uh, which was basically through my agent sending me the script and saying, are you interested in this? Uh, you know, Diane Paulus wants to see a few people, a few guys for the for the dad role on on Monday. I think this was a Thursday night. My first thought was because the album meant so much to me in my, you know, 1995, I was in my early twenties and it just, it was just, I've said this before, it was like the soundtrack of my life for a couple of years. It, the, the, the two years that it was playing on the radio, it, went, it took me through breakups and falling in love again. And, and, and it was just, it, the, the, the album is, is just, it's seminal. It, it, it. I, I've always said this, even before I became a part of the musical adaptation, it is one of those albums like, like Tapestry or, or, you know, um, the White Album or, you know, it's, it's one of those yes. albums that just defines a generation. And yes. she tapped into so many just human beautifully human raw emotions and and I do believe that that is why it was such a success and why it continues to be why it continues to to connect why people continue to connect to her music so powerfully have you been able to talk to her about this record I you know, I mean, in in passing, she's a very busy a busy lady. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> is she, oh, okay. I'm always just a little whenever she's around, which has been quite often. Yeah. I'm I honestly, I'm just still just starstruck. It's Alanis Morissette, and she is just she's lovely and she's open and she's kind and she's wise and she has this incredible God energy when she walks in a room. She just really is everything you'd think she'd be and so much more. And so she's incredibly generous and open and, and, uh, uh, receptive to, to, you know, she would be, I know, but I've never had the chance to just really sit down and talk to her about, you know, what, I mean, that would be incredible to just say, what was it like to be, you know, 19? How did you write these songs when you were 19? Yes. Um, um, I've always wanted to ask her 
specifically, you know, just in a, in a little one-on-one. And I still hope that I'll have the chance to ask her specifically about Mary Jane. Right. Um, but I know that, I know that she's leery of sharing that because the songs have become so specific because of Diablo Cody's, you know, amazing, brilliant book have become so specific to these characters now Mm -hmm. in the Broadway, you know, in the musical version. But, um, but I would just be so curious to know, you know, exactly what was the inspiration for writing that song? Because it means so much to me. And when you just say 19, like, (laughs) I can't believe that came out of a 19 year old. Right. I mean, there are, there are, times when I, you know, there are, there are tracks on the album that I, that I can, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish the brilliance of the songs, but, um, you know, I can understand when you're, when you're, you're that age, you know, um, honestly, I can understand the sort of rage songs, the anger songs, but she did it in a way that had never been done before, which so, okay, that's brilliant. You know, yep. you want to know and write through you and they're brilliant. And it was amazing to hear that sentiment coming from a young woman. Um, but the love and the, and the enlightenment that was in that album, I, the, the one that really blows my mind is you learn. I cannot believe a 19 year old wrote the lyrics to you learn the, the, the song you learn. It's just, it is, it is, um, it's such a mantra. Yeah. You know, it's so, uh, it's so Zen. (laughs) Yeah. And what's thrilling is seeing these songs performed in the context of this piece of theater, this play, uh, that Diablo wrote and Tom Kitt, you know, Mm -hmm. all of the, the artistic geniuses behind the collaboration that created this world where these songs fit so seamlessly into sure. the narrative um, mm-hmm. and you get to be in it and you get to be brilliant <laughs> in it. And, you know, it's funny, the last podcast I did in person before COVID and my recording studio was shut down was with Elizabeth Stanley. Like she oh. was my last face to face. And I, like, I always say to her, like, if it's got to be your last, let it be Elizabeth Stanley. There it is. is just- you can't really do any better than that. <laughs> no, but the two of you are just so magical together. And so I wonder, I mean, it's been years now since you started working on this project, but that like chemistry, you can't always count on it. You can fake it and you can act it. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons that this story resonates so deeply, I think, is that all of you in this show um, are inhabiting these people that could be perceived as kind of stick figures or ideas of a kind Mm -hmm. of person and inhabiting them with such humanity and empathy and love, as you pointed out. Tell me about meeting Elizabeth and creating this couple that we believe in and root for. Well, I I will admit I was was very nervous because I I had read the script and uh, to go back to that, when, when I got it from my agent, I was about 15 pages in and I was my first thought then was, Oh my God, this, this album means so much to me. Please don't screw this up. This, this could go horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know, because of Diablo's amazing writing that it was brilliant right away as I was reading it, but it became very clear to me that as far as Steve's 
arc, Steve Healy's arc, his entire, really, his entire arc is contingent on this woman, you know, who, whoever plays Mary Jane, uh, as far as, as far as Steve knows, he's, he's in a, he's in a love story for, for, yeah. you know, for 90% of the play yeah, until he's, marriage. he is just sucker punched with all of this information that flies at him at such a rapid pace, um, right after, right before Mary Jane. So it was, it was, it's really all about his relationship with Mary Jane, uh, for him. And, um, yes. Did you and Elizabeth the, audition together? No. No. Okay, so there's no chemistry read. There's no no none of that. No, so I had uh, you know, of course, you find out you get a job and you find out who else is cast. And I, I, you know, Googled everyone and I Googled Elizabeth and I was like, oh, I was, you know, I was like, oh my god, she's she's beautiful and she's talented. She's ridiculously talented. And what if she hates me? What if we don't get along? <laughs> and what if you know all of those things that you just said? Yeah. What if the chemistry isn't there? And you know, I knew. I knew minutes into meeting her that, that it was just, it was gold because Mm -hmm. she is, as I'm sure, you know, you know, after talking to her and she's just, she is one of the most open and generous and brilliantly talented, uh, you know, partners I could possibly ask for, especially considering the, um, the very, very delicate nature of, of the story that we have to tell. So I am just, uh, you know, I, from day one, I just felt so incredibly lucky that it was, that it was her. And I've told her that many, many times. Thank God it's you. Thank God it's you. (laughs) Well, she feels the same way. I want to ask you just to go back to that feeling of wanting something. What do Mm -hmm. you do when you walk in a room and you really want it? And (laughs) there are some jobs that we'd be thrilled to get, but you don't feel like, okay, wait, this album was the soundtrack <laughs> to my life. Right. This is such, you know, this, this creative team is incredible. Um, how did you walk into that room and not screw it up? <laughs> Honestly, I'll tell you, I, I had reached a point uh, you know, as I, as, as I guess we do as we get a little older, if you know what I mean. As grown that, ups. Um, yeah, as a grown up and, 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 you know, spending, you know, almost three decades in this business, I had just, I had just sort of reached a point where I, you know, I say to myself before I walk in a room, listen, you've got, what you have to offer is uniquely yours. What I have to offer is uniquely me. And if that fits into the creative team's vision for the show, then that's, that's amazing. That is, that's icing on the cake. But if it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that I did anything wrong or that I'm doing anything wrong. So what I always try to focus on when I walk in a room, always, even if it isn't, if it's something I do or don't want really badly is just do what I do and do it as best as I can and be as prepared as I can be. So when I walked in that room, I thought, this is my interpretation after reading the script. What they want is someone who looks like, you know, Joe America, who is, you know, this, this sort of on the surface, 
like the Healy's, they're perfect, right? They, 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 he's a, he's this very successful lawyer. He has this big giant house in Connecticut. He's extremely successful, but inside he's falling apart. And what, and you meet him in, you meet the family in crisis. So my analysis of the play was this guy's, you meet him as he's waking up. He's, he's waking up and realizing, wow, everything that I thought was perfect is is falling apart and he has great love and compassion for for the people in his family um and is i think probably a little confused as to how he got to where he is and um he's in a little, little bit of a of a sort of uh i don't know like a like a renaissance he's 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 realizing okay what do i do how do i save this and i as an actor, I feel like what that requires is absolute vulnerability, absolute openness, absolute and an absolute um, willingness to really just go in there and be raw. And that's what I tried to do. And um, in this situation, luckily, it was uh, it was I guess what they wanted. <laughs> and d- did Diane give you notes during your during your audition? Um, yes, uh, it was a very, as I said, it was very fast. There weren't, there wasn't a lot of adjustment happening in the room, but I do remember her, um, basically saying, try the scene. I was doing the scene before Mary Jane and I remember her encouraging me to do it again and to really just let myself go there to a place Mm -hmm. of let him just let him fall apart. And I appreciated that very much because you, you never really know exactly you know, it says very clearly in the script, you know, Diablo writes something like he breaks down, you know? <laughs> so as right. an actor, like, you look at I that really and you go, down? do you really yeah. want me to be like, you know? So you're always a little like, okay, what is, what, how free am I actually? Yeah. And so it's, it's lovely when, when a director, you know, gives you that license to, to go there and, um, it isn't exactly, of course, what I ended up doing in the show. We, we sort of realized in backtracking and, and spending a lot of time on it that there is there is a lot of value in sort of watching someone try to hold the emotions in. It's much right. more, it can be so much more emotional for, for the observer. Right. Um, but I think she wanted to see whether or not I had it in me, you know, if, if, the, if that, that inner life was actually actually there. And, um, it was, um, it was something I connected to right away when I read the play. So it was there. I just, I, I, um, I did fall in love with this character and I have great respect and compassion for him. I'm very different than he is, but, um, but I, uh, but I do, I do think he's a really good guy and, um, yeah, proud to play him. (laughs) Well, you're in a show that deals with rape, drug addiction, adoption, Mm-hmm. Um, gay themes, acceptance, mm-hmm. um, so like, much. yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like sort of what washed over me as I saw it sort of all about, um, hiding and then, and then what happens when we tell the truth and, and the relief that comes with that, but all, all the things along the way are just incredibly sensitive topics. And you're in a show with some incredibly seasoned adults like yourself. 
um, and Elizabeth, and then a very young cast, many of whom are the age that Alanis was when she wrote this record, right? right. When you think right. about it, you know, Catherine and Celia and, and Derek and and Lauren, just all, I think all of those people have been on this show. Um, and so I've sort of had a chance to kind of talk to everyone about what it is to sort of be representing a, a story that is just so true for for so many people mm-hmm. and the responsibility of that. But I wonder how your director and, and team create a safe space for everyone to handle what they're being asked to handle and the vulnerability, yourself included. How does Diane Paulus set up um, a rehearsal room that's safe? Well, that's such a good question. Um... Or does she? She does. She does. I think I would. I would. I would say that that the cast, the crew, everyone in the room knew from the beginning. She's very, very transparent about the fact that this is this is very, very delicate, sensitive uh, stuff that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. These issues are are they're you know they push buttons. It's why they're in the. It's why they're in the show. They're 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 things that people don't feel comfortable talking about. That's the. I think that's the point of it, is that these things can't be swept under the rug, or they will fester and they will grow and and, and destroy and destroy and rear their ugly heads in in terrible ways in the future. No matter how much you think you you know you're dealing with it by by just ignoring it. Um, so yes, there was so much, we, we honestly, I think the way we felt safe or the reason we felt safe was because we were in constant communication as a company about how, about how difficult it all, it all is. Mm -hmm. Um, and people felt free to say, you know, um, you know, this word is, is hard for me. If we could not use that word, you know, there, there were just, we all learned a lot from each other and, um, uh, and it was all, it all, it all came down from the top, which is Diane. She, she, she did create a safe space for everyone. How did you find out it was going to Broadway after you were at, (laughs) was it the ART? It was at the ART in yeah. Cambridge outside yeah. Boston. Yes. Well, it was kind of a long, it was a, it was a little bit of a slog because I think I don't really know exactly what was happening, but I know that the, um, the producers were waiting for the perfect space for it. Uh, as, as far as I can glean from, you mean which New York um, theater? Exactly. Um, I didn't want it to be too large. The show has a very intimate feel, but of, of course it couldn't be too intimate. Um, so, uh, I do think they were holding out for, uh, sort of, uh, a couple spaces that they, that they were their favorites and were their ideals. And, um, and then finally, you know, the Broadhurst became available and, um, but so it was a long, there was talk right after ART that it might be that fall of, of, uh, 18. And then it was moved to possibly the spring and then it was moved to, the fall of 2019. Right. So, um, but because we had that time, we ended up having a lab in December of 18 to sort of refine and tweak and really 
look at what we learned from the ART production and, um, and improve without, you know, we didn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We wanted to, you know, like we didn't want to, because it worked so well at ART. We said this very often, we don't want to do too much, but there is room for improvement. There is room to sort of tweak these, the language here and there, you know, certain, certain, as I said before, certain words that push buttons in people. And, and it's tricky because the show is meant to push buttons but you don't want to you don't want to offend. But if it's not, I mean, in my opinion, it's not really art if it doesn't push buttons. You know, so it's it's a. So really- tell me what you mean in terms of workshopping it again after such a successful run, um, because in New York everyone was hearing that people are going insane in Cambridge, and and so many <laughs> New Yorkers were trying to get a ticket and they couldn't, you know, because they weren't sure it was going to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you know her track record as a director of of transferring things is pretty amazing, it's pretty what, good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> what, um, like, can you tell me what you mean about like? It sounds like you're talking about things that would be too triggering for. Are you saying for audience members or for performers or both? For audience members, uh, I, it's it's hard to sort of pinpoint a certain thing because I have a really hard time uh, remembering honestly right. exactly right. what we did at ART as compared to what we're doing now. Yeah, um, just certain words when it comes to say dealing with gender identity or mm. or words uh, around uh, therapy. I know that Alanis was very 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 uh, adamant that the therapist not use certain sort of leading questions because they're. Um, Therapy is very important to her and to many people in the cast. So th- there were just things like that where finally, once we had it up on its feet and we got to see it as a whole for three months in Cambridge, there were certain words that were like, you know, that that line that the therapist says in uh, Elizabeth and I, as, as the couple go to a, th- a therapy scene, a couple's therapy scene, um, I wish I could come up with a better example for you. No, but that's okay. Uh, Listen, my sister's a therapist and she is she's a, a psychologist. Her husband's a psychiatrist. They are so sensitive to the way mm-hmm. it's portrayed because often it's it's sort of dealt with in a way that it, it kind of makes fun of it. Um, right, or diminishes right. it rather than valuing. And there are so many different kinds of therapy, but that's always her first thing. Whenever I'm cast in something where I'm a therapist or there's a therapist, she's like, just promise me that it's not making fun or right. being you know, disrespectful of it as a, as a profession right. or making it seem hokey in some way. We didn't mm-hmm. want to make fun of the therapy itself and the value of that. Um, but ultimately, what we kind of zeroed in on is that that MJ, uh, Mary Jane, at that point has just complete disdain for the idea of going to therapy. So that kind of became the the crux of the of the comedy in the scene, as opposed yeah. to how ridiculous the therapist is or the right. questions or whatever. I mean, she can think they're ridiculous, but they can't actually be ridiculous. They can't be leading questions or something that a ther- a real you know bona fide therapist wouldn't say that. And, um, there was a lot to deal with. There was a lot of, I know uh, specifically for Steve and MJ, uh, one of the biggest changes when we did do the, it was a three week lab in December after the ART production. When we did do that, one of the biggest changes for me, um, actually two, two really pretty significant changes were that, um, they kept me, they kept the character, uh, the characters separated 
more in act one. So the, I, the idea being that, um, so and sexy, which is our sort of a, a duet that Elizabeth and I sing together in act one used to happen at home in our closet as Steve was getting ready to go to work. And the idea was, well, that doesn't really make sense. We need to have them it, like split screen him in New York already gone. And right. the, the value of that was that with Steve being gone, you're, the audience is actually seeing that MJ is forced to deal with, with the problems that are arising with Frankie and Nick by herself, you know, as a sort of single parent, you know, uh, to sort of highlight Steve's um, absence. absence. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, another really big uh, difference was that in... And this was a difficult one to wrap my brain around for a while. I, I um, uh, Diane and I had many talks about this, but uh, uh, at ART, I knew about at some point in Act One, MJ told Steve about her own sexual abuse in college. So for half of the story, I was aware of what she had been through, um, but in they decided, and we all decided that, that I eventually came around to it, that it made much more sense if he was completely in the dark about that. It made all of the questions in Mary Jane. That was the time when I realized the first time we performed it, the first preview, I remember on Broadway, getting in front of an audience and realizing, oh my God, this makes so much sense now mm -hmm. because I don't know what she's been through. All I know is I've just found out minutes before that she's become addicted to opioids, but it made so much more sense to me why he would be saying, tell me, tell me what's the matter? What is going on with you? You have to tell me or I can't help. And right. for me, that is the sort of central theme, as you pointed out earlier, of the of the piece is communication mm -hmm. and the value and the, the absolute necessity of com of communication between people you love, people who love each other. Um, the basically sort of highlighting the idea that, you know, one of the most brave things you can do is admit that you need help, <laughs> yeah. you know, or admit that you're scared. I mean, it's the, the irony of that, you know, that it's, it's so brave and many people are unable to do it, to look at someone, even, even someone they trust and love and say, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. And, um, that's are you what I someone think. who is able to ask for help? Oh my gosh. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I, <laughs> yes, I am so unlike, that's one of the main ways I am not like Steve. I am, I'm a talker. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I've learned throughout my life to, uh, you know, the only way out is through, you know, I got to deal with the emotions, face them head on and, and, uh, process, process, process. And then at some, you know, there are times where I realize, okay, and now I'm processing a lot. I'm, I'm doing this a lot. I've done a lot of crying. I can probably put that away for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just, um, you know, just suck it up and deal. Right. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I, I sort of appreciate that Steve starts in a place that's very unlike me. And ultimately I get to kind of like slowly, you catch know, scoop in. Yeah, yeah. Catch up to Sean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk about walking into the Broadhurst theater when mm. it moves to Broadway and what goes through your mind, because now you're coming 
as the star. You're not covering another role. You're not replacing. You created it from scratch, from nothing, into mm-hmm. a Tony-nominated role <laughs> forever. That's yours. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, it is. It is. Um, walking into the Broadhurst was you know, again, bucket list. It's just, it's just dream come true stuff. I, for whatever reason, I don't know why it was so on my radar, but all I had in my mind when I walked into the Broadhurst was that Catherine Hepburn had performed there. Well, she's always been one of my idols uh, as an actor, always. I don't know why, I don't know how I became, at some point when I was a little boy, I saw Bringing Up Baby and I just, and then I became obsessed with her and I just started watching everything that I could watch that that she had done. And um, I mean, I she's one of the only celebrities I've ever written a fan letter to, and and she wrote me back right around the same time, actually. That uh, um, coincidentally, I think it was right around the same time as uh, it was right around 1995, right when Jagged Little Pill was out. So um, <laughs> it's all connected. Side note, yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> So when I walked in, I remember just thinking, um, wow, this is, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to me that, you know, there's like Catherine Hepburn dust in this place and I'm, I'm living, I'm breathing the same molecules that Catherine Hepburn breathed. And, um, but, you know, as I said, it's a, I'm very, very proud of the show. I'm very proud of, of the work that, 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 that I did on Steve Healy. And, yep. and I just, you know, I just was constantly pinching myself. I just felt like the luckiest guy in the world when I walked in there. I, I, I just, uh, I still can't believe, you know, it, it's still well, really hard to wrap my, wrap my head around that it's all, that it's all happened that I, I, I you know, I got, you get to a certain age, you think, well, maybe I'm not ever going to originate a role. I don't know. Right, right, <laughs> right. Which is why it's all the, all the sweeter, right? I mean, so let's right. go back because you were a young man who loved old movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you sing like very few on the planet can sing. So oh. when did you discover that you could do that? That's very kind of you to say. I, I, I will be honest with you. I didn't, I, my family, we always were, we were like car singers. We were like road trip singers. We uh-huh. always sang, but no one, no one ever, ever even thought of doing it professionally. It was just, everyone's sort of very musical. Uh, and we would, you know, my mom taught me to harmonize when I was a little boy and, um, but I never thought I was going to, I always thought I was going to be an artist. I, all through junior high and high school, I w I was just sure I was going to be a graphic designer. And, mm. um, I, so I was studying that like crazy in high school. I was also very involved in band and it wasn't until I was, you know, sophomore year of high school, I think that I, um, auditioned for the, for the musical, which was once upon a mattress. Um, and I was terrified. I'd never been on stage like that before. I'm, I'm, I was very, very, and still consider myself very shy. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I just couldn't believe I was doing it. And then, um, so I've honestly, I have that thing in me that I've never, I've, I, and then I went to college and studied acting. So I, and 
I never really considered myself a singer. It was always, mm. it was always the thing where I felt like I'm, I, I'm an actor and I can sing. You know, it's like you do this business long and you're in this business long enough, you realize I've got my strengths. And I always thought, well, my strength is is my acting, and I'm gonna, I can sort of carry a tune, so that'll be cool. Maybe I can, you know, do a couple musicals. And it just, I just started, I just started doing more and more and learning more. Um, most of everything I've learned as a singer has been by doing shows. Um, so- okay, that's crazy because you are a musical theater star. <laughs> so I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't. Okay. I I am not. I am. I am. I am in such awe of it that that anyone could ever even say that about me is just like it blows my mind. So I. I am grateful. I, 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 I look around at the people singing around me when I'm, when I'm doing Jag a little pill and I think, Oh my God, that is amazing what they're doing. I guess I'll just go out and do what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're on, you know, original Broadway cast recording of Jagged Little Pill, which is just an extraordinary piece of vinyl. Like that is a uniquely special it's album. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I got the album. Have you heard I, it? I, 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 <laughs> it was so thrilling. I have to say, though, uh, it was really, really exciting when the CD came out. I mean, that was, that was we had a CD release party and we went to Atlantic and they played it for us and it was really fun. But when I ordered the vinyl and played, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I'm a vinyl kid. I grew up, yep. you know, Same. buying records. Right. And so when I was able to like, you know, put my thumb in the side and slip the plastic open and, and like pull out, table. put it on the turntable. And then it was me yeah. singing on a record. I was yeah. like, this is awesome. This is good stuff. Yeah. This is, that was definitely uh, a huge, huge moment in my life. In March when the governor, you know, mandated for saving lives and keeping people healthy, that venues over 500 seats shut down, and then Broadway became a part of that shutdown. Um, Jagged Little Pill was at the height of its success. Um, you know, you've been open for a while. It's, it's, it's happening. You're, you're in your run. Um, do you remember the last performance you know, I, I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember it specifically. What I remember is, um, it was interesting because I had the next day I had taken a personal day, um, the 12th, I had taken a personal day because it was the opening of six. It was going mm-hmm. to be the opening of six on Broadway. Yes. And my dear friend, Abby Mueller, uh, is in that show and. I was able to take a night off. And what I really remember, I'll tell you honestly, is I, I don't really know what I had, but I was extremely sick about the last four weeks from about mid-February to mid-March. Wow. It was early enough that I didn't really know what was going on, but it was uh, what I just thought was a killer cold. Now I think I know what it was, but it was it really knocked me out. I did ended up taking about three shows off um, early, early in March. But and I kept coming back and 
it was just everything I could do to get through eight of them in a week, wow. you know, mm-hmm. um, really, really kind of attacked my voice. So what I remember was being really grateful that I was going to be able to take a night off from singing because it was just so difficult at that point. Um, and, um, and I had, uh, I was, I was doing, I was singing Mary Jane on good morning, uh, a good day, New York, the next morning, the, the morning of the 12th. And so I got up very early, sang Mary Jane, and then went home, took a nap, woke up and everything was shut down. So it was, um, it was, uh, it was a blur. It was all a blur for many, many reasons because we didn't really have a lot of information. As you probably remember, we were all kind of wondering what in what is going on. When are we going to find out? But it was hard to believe, you know, that they were yeah. actually shutting down Broadway for at that point. They're shutting it down for two weeks. That's that's right. so long, unheard of. Yeah, <laughs> unprecedented. Right. 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 Have you been back to your dressing room since? Yes, a couple times. They they've given us access to the theater a couple times and I went back and got a couple things that I that I, you know, thought I might need and it's very very bittersweet because So it the is, set's still there. It's all still there. It's all still there. Just sitting there waiting. Um, what are they what have producers said to you guys? Oh, we're coming back. Yeah. Whenever we can, whenever we can safely and you know, um in the correct manner, we, we, you know, they, they, they're very, very, very uh, communicative with us about that. We, we will be back. So that's, that's nice to know. Yeah. It's just do you ever run through the show in your head? Like, or do you dream <laughs> about it? <laughs> I do off. every now and then. Yes. Do I, I and I, it? and I have these panic moments. It's a little like the actor's nightmare, right? It's been eight months now. So yes. it's just, it's just long enough that I'm like, oh, I don't remember any lines at all. I have no idea what those lines are anymore in that scene. What do you think uh, your first line is when you walk on stage for uh, the first time? I'm pretty sure that it's just, I think I just walk in and say, hey, to MJ, I think. I don't remember. <laughs> do I say good morning? I don't know. Maybe maybe Elizabeth Stanley knows. I don't know. Her. We'll phone a friend. <laughs> um, all right. Tony nominated. <laughs> Sean. Um oh man. Even though it's mixed and I get it and everyone should win and everyone should be nominated, I think what you said at the very beginning which is when a group of people get together and collectively say we really love how you made us feel tonight in the theater, um you'll take it, right? Like Absolutely. that's what it is. Yeah. So before I let you go, can you share a little known fact? <laughs> you know that that's been in the back of my mind the whole time. I'm thinking, you, can't, what you am haven't I been able say? to concentrate on a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a little known fact. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, well, I, this is so. This is kind of boring. Um. um I was, well, uh, this is kind of interesting, I guess. I don't know. Why am I judging it before I even say it? Yeah, let you me judge. Like, let say me it, judge. John. I may say, nope, do another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, little known fact, I was cast in the tour of Dear Evan Hansen in the summer that I was doing ART, uh, Jagged Little Pill. 
And it turned out to be that they were, they could possibly conflict with each other. So I had this crazy decision where I had to choose whether or not I was going to do, you know, a year on tour and possibly knock myself out of contention of doing the, the Broadway um, run of Jack a Little Pill. And so uh, I, because of the scheduling and I had to basically just say no to a year of work and then and then, as I said before, you know, it was supposed to be fall of fall of um, 18 and then it was moved to spring of 19 and then it was moved to fall of of 19. And I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be on tour right now. Yes, where is my paycheck? <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Paycheck, man. But um, yeah, I mean, wow. for a while there, Larry Murphy was like way in my world. You know, I was thinking of trying to uh, toward the end of the run of ART, I was sort of gearing myself up for or, you know, moving on to this new dad role. Right. <laughs> and, wow. Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, the idea as an actor of just saying, yeah, the year of work that you wanted to give me, no, thank you. Right. <laughs> right. That was in, that was just, right. but it was one of those, those really crazy decisions that you just have to make sometimes. And, you know, it was, and my agents kept telling me like, this is, these are good. These are good problems to have. And I was like, I know, mm -hmm. but this is terrible. That's yes. Why does it have to be at the same time? Why? <laughs> well, also a part you'd be extraordinary in. I get I, it. I get I, why they wanted you. I guess we'll never know. I don't we'll know. never Maybe know. We'll, who knows? You never know. You know what? I, I kind of know. I feel like <laughs> I do know. And now that you've created this role, um, we're moving on to creating more roles at some other point. But for oh. now, just knowing that Steve Healy will be back on the boards at some point as manifested by the genius that is Sean Allen Creel. Oh, and, and anyone who hasn't heard it yet, I need you to listen to the original Broadway cast recording of Jagged Little Pill um, and listen to this man sing Mary Jane and then just everything on this album and then listen to Alanis's album and then just do it in rotation and enjoy yourself because it's really what we all need to do today and every day. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you to John Zaytoon, who is the talent coordinator for this episode. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and performed by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. And episodes are recorded in New York City and edited by Nicholas Clark.